Good evening and um, welcome all to the October edition of uh, Africa Now or Africa Now, the um, uh, the seminars, um, the monthly seminars by the Norwegian Council for uh, Africa on uh, particular uh, countries on the continent or particular themes that are. Uh, uh, in one way or the other, uh, relevant uh, to us as uh, global citizens um, and people that take interest in, in African issues and, uh, and politics and human rights. I am the director of the Norwegian Council for Africa um, and I just briefly, before we start, I'd, I'd like to just uh, briefly say that uh, it's, it's, we do uh, different types of, of uh, dissemination and debate about African politics and African human rights issues. Um, and in doing that, among other things, we have a website called africa.no and we also publish, uh, we used to publish uh, books before we sort of turned all digital on Africa Africa.no. Uh, and in the last book, uh, Africa's 99% uh, on economic growth and uh, inequality and protest and that sort of issues. We also had uh, an article on Malawian politics. Um, so the author of that article was actually, this was an account by, uh, I, I think you might know, uh, Blessings Chinsasa. Chinsinga, sorry, of course. Chinsinga. <laughs> Um, writing his account on the uh, lead up to and and uh, and the protests in 2011, which is actually a, a, a very interesting account uh, to us. So um, it's in, in in Norwegian. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, of course you know uh, uh, you know the story, and um, it's possible for you to to get a hold of this book uh, afterwards. Hebo will be at the at the. Um, uh, at the end of the room here, and it's also possible to, to register as a member of the Norwegian Council for Africa. We rely a lot on our, on our members, and it's actually now possible to, uh, we have a campaign right now, so if you, if you become an, a member, you have the possibility to win a free ticket to Oslo World Music Festival um, in two weeks' time, I think. Okay, so that's enough of this self-promotion. Now, this evening, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Malawi and uh, women's rights to, uh, for sexual, sexual and reprodu reproductive rights. Um, and to chair this session, we have a very, very competent man in Tor Hungne Olsen, the executive, executive director of Sexopolitik. Uh, you uh, also both present yourself uh, we're very glad to, to, to do this seminar in cooperation with you uh, and our esteemed guests. So please, Torungne. Thank you very much. Um, Sexopolitik uh, is uh, very happy and would like to thank the Kanzler for, for opening this meeting to us. Uh, we have uh, had a cooperation with our sister organization in Malawi for the last year. Uh, because there have been a lot of discussions in Malawi that are relating to sexual and reproductive health and rights. 
So in that sense, uh, it was logical for us to be involved. As you know, Malawi is one of the 12 countries that has been chosen to be focus countries for Norwegian uh, development aid. So in that sense, uh, we have looked at areas to cooperate and definitely uh, advocacy issues around uh, issues relating to sexual and reproductive health and rights are issues that we have talked a lot about. So last month, we had a delegation from the parliament here in Norway, Stortinge, to Malawi to discuss with politicians, NGOs, and others here. So this is, in a way, a return visit where we are having different meetings with uh, government, with parliamentarians, but it's then also uh, useful to have a meeting where people can can meet, uh, or just anybody can meet and ask questions. And there are a few people who have had relations to Malawi over the years. So we, we are very happy that we have this platform. So what we'll do this evening is uh, basically that each of our four guests will have some five minutes or, or, or maybe even less to just to briefly present what areas they work in. So you can get to know them a bit. And then we can have questions and discussions where we involve the, the flow and everybody. So I look forward uh, to the interaction and don't feel shy. Uh, they promised me they will answer any question. And so, uh, and of course they are politicians, so, uh, or most of them anyway. So they should. <laughs> and so <clears throat> the politicians we have here is from the far, from your far left. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, is, uh, is from the ruling party. Now I have to have my cheating notes here. From the ruling party, we have Honorable Naomi uh, no, Kilekwa, who is from the southern region of the country. She was originally elected to the parliament as an independent, but then joined the ruling party, DPP, uh, in the negotiations afterwards. Uh, it was a, a little bit a different election in Malawi, the last election, and actually the biggest party after the elections was the independent candidates. There were 52 independent candidates selected, and then originally 51 from the, the biggest of the two ruling parties. So Malawi is a bit like Norway. You have two ruling parties, and then you have some others that supported the ruling parties, and then you have some opposition parties. So it's, in a way, very similar. Um, so next to her, we have, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention, she, in Malawi, they also have a different system from Norway in the sense that they, the MPs have to serve in two different committees each. So she's mainly here, well, actually, she's mainly here for her third committee. In Malawi, in Malawi they also have a women's caucus. So we wanted somebody from the women's caucus, that is all the women parliamentarians, uh, to come here. She also serves in the, in the Committee on Trade, and in the Committee on Local Government. Uh, so yes, so that is Naomi. The second uh, person from your left uh, is Honorable Elias Chakwera. He is from the Central Province. He is uh, the chair of the Educational Department. Sexopolitik, we have the biggest uh, program in Norway on sexuality education, and so it's also an area that we work on internationally, so education committees are always interesting for us. So we're very, very glad to have the chair of the committee with us. Uh, he also serves on the Committee for Public Appointments. 
Then we have the third one here is Honorable uh, Madiso Kasambo. Kazumbo. Kazumbo. Okay. He's also from the central province and he serves on the health committee. And of course, the health committee is important for many of the questions that relates to sexual and reproductive rights. Um, he, um, he, uh, in addition, he also serves on the trade committee as the second committee. And the last person here, oh, yeah, I should say that these two come from the opposition, whereas uh, Naomi is from the government, the two next ones are from the opposition. They are, however, usually friends. So in that sense, they're also like Norwegian politicians. Mm -hmm. But at times, mm, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, uh, those are our three politicians. Then uh, next to me here is Loni Kozana. Mm, mm, no, not. It's okay, okay. Yes, she's from our sister organization. She's the program director of Family Planning Association of Malawi. So, yes, I think so. I think we just start with the women's caucus. Naomi, if you can explain us a little bit about uh, how the women's caucus fights for human rights, no, or equal rights and human rights. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. First of all, I have to say that I'm very happy to meet you this evening. I'm representing women's caucus in Malawi. And uh, as as he already elaborated that I came as an independent member of parliament in parliament. Of course, in, I just want to start with a little bit of history. I competed in my constituency with seven men and I defeated them all. Uh, in parliament, uh, like women, I'm the youngest woman in parliament, in my parliament. Um, in Women Caucus, we represent all women in Malawi and the youth. Mostly, we deal with challenges that women are facing in Malawi. So, and we also deal with uh, challenges that youth are facing in Malawi. This caucus is just a caucus because it is just a privilege. We have to, uh, we have two committees in Malawi each for each member of parliament. But being a woman, it is you. Be, I become automatically a member uh, for this caucus. We do so many things in this caucus. We do oversight on how are we going to uh, how are we going to to eradicate poverty amongst women in Malawi. How are we going to promote the youth in Malawi? And the to teach them to know their rights, the human rights, to know even the children, the young people, to know their rights. We deal much 
in 50-50 campaign so that we lobby to other organizations in, in the country to help us to promote more women, more uh, for them to have better positions in government and in all sectors. Mostly before, women were not be able to get jobs. We are not able to make decision making. But with this caucus, it, uh, it helped a lot because uh, we have been sensitizing women and men. We have been teaching them the importance of putting women in a better positions. In Malawi, in population we have in Malawi, uh, women are many than men. So it was very difficult for a woman to take a reading role even in the family, even in the organization. So being the, the biggest figure in Malawi, women, we decided that uh, considering human rights, we are also have potential to have better things. We encourage men to allow their spouses to go to a, uh, to, uh, for a job. Uh, before, may, women were just uh, sitting at home, washing clothes, cleaning houses, that's all. They were not able to, to do everything anything else apart from this. So by and by, with this Women Caucus, things are now changing in Malawi. So that's all what I wanted to share with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Naomi. Uh, then next, uh, we will hear a little bit from the educational side, and maybe a bit more from uh, uh, the chair of the education committee. So please go ahead, Elias. Thank you very much. Uh, we, um, I think we are here talking about the promotion of women rights. I would like to just concur and support what my colleague was saying. The reason why we have women caucus in our parliament is because um, we realize women to be part of the marginalized group. And as such, they need special attention in terms of promoting their status and their rights. So the women caucus is actually there to advocate for and sensitize um, Malawi and Malawi government on the rights of women so that they never 
remain behind the way they used to be. And this is part of the democratic dispensation that we have since multi-party democracy. The <coughs> human rights issues have been very prominent in terms of who gets what from the government coffers. Now, because of that, in education, we also focus on how to promote the woman and the girl child. The girl child has been one of the most vulnerable in terms of supporting education. We normally have a lot of girls joining primary school in grade one. But by the time we end primary education in grade eight, we have very few of them. So the serious problem has been how to retain women or girls in school so that we can have women getting the right share when it comes to positioning and getting them to decision making. Because of that, there have been efforts by different cooperating partners, including Norway, uh, trying to address the issue of dropout, <coughs> and dropout is an issue that is also going to address the marginalized uh, girls. And uh, one of the things that have been happening is to give uh, meals to little boys and girls that go to school. So the school feeding program is one of the things that our cooperating partners have been supporting us. Because majority of our families cannot afford a meal for a child in the morning, the schools that have been giving uh, feeding or food during the school hours have actually considerable retention rate higher than the schools that are not giving uh, meals. So we still have uh, situations where the school feeding program has not reached every school and therefore, we are looking at that as one of the areas which might need improvement. For the girl child, there are extra challenges that we also have. Um, as a girl is growing up, reaches a puberty age, there are demands on her body that require something that must be addressed. One of the challenges that we have in our classrooms is that most of the classrooms are empty. And so when you are, when teacher is teaching, the boys and girls have to sit on the floor. So imagine a 14, 15 year old girl sitting on the floor, standing up to answer question down. That is a challenge. So if we don't have desks, we don't have the right infrastructure. And sometimes the floors don't even have cement. So they are floors which are dirty. That has been another challenge for the girl child. Some schools don't even have toilets. And so the pit latrines that we may have may not have the proper walls. And because of that, it becomes a challenge for a girl child. A number of schools don't have water. Um, the boreholes are not in every school in Malawi. And that is again a challenge. So what we're saying here is that indeed if we have to promote the girl child and retain women in the education system, there is a need for us to address more than just wanting them to come to school. We need to improve the learning, the teaching environment, the schools must be accommodating to the needs of the girl. There's been another effort that, uh, for which we're grateful to Norway, 
the effort of addressing the early pregnancy issues. When a girl becomes pregnant, after delivery, there has been effort to bring the girl back to school. And that is what uh, her organization has been doing with the support from uh, uh, development partners like Norway. But when we bring back the girl to school, maybe she dropped at standard six. When she comes back to standard six, does it make sense for her to stop at standard eight? Then she raises the question, why did I go back to school? So retention of the girl child and making the education that they receive after pregnancy meaningful is another challenge. Because the question that the girls must be asking is, I'm going to school for what reason? And if they don't find anything to do after primary school, except to go back and look for an, a husband, then the question is, why did I lose the first one? So we would like to have a system that supports the girl child all through to the point where the girl child is I now getting you. an independent decision and getting a job and doing something that is meaningful. So what we are asking for is that those who are interested in supporting us must be able to support the girl child from the beginning to the very end to see whether they can come out meaningfully. One of the things that could happen is that the girls who are 18, 16, 17, they've gone back to school. And if they cannot sustainably stay in a formal education, then we should be having avenues where they go into uh, skills development of some kind so that when they get back to the community, they have a skill to support them. They have a, school, they have a skill which make them look at as meaningful citizens because they have something to contribute. So when we talk about skills development, we're talking about uh, being able to uh, maybe do tailoring, embroidery, uh, carpentry, or any other thing that can help them. So what we don't have is something that supports the basic education after the primary education. What else can women do? Then if we cannot give them meaning in that life, then we'll have lost the, the battle that we have been fighting. So bring back the child, yes, but the question is, I have been brought back, but what have I gained? Because if I stay in school for just two years and go back to the same life that I was uh, in, then the question is, what did I, why did I make that decision? So these are some of the things that we are, we are concerned about. And uh, basically in Malawi, we also don't have a clear policy on the, on the, on the, early childhood education. So the communities that are offering that service are actually advancing in retaining boys and girls in primary school. But there are some communities that are not. So we'd also want uh, our cooperating partners to start looking at the child holistically because children learn as they grow. They don't grow and learn. So that is a concept which we also want to promote. So those of us who are in education, I think this is a contribution that we're making in order to support the girl child and return the women and push them to ranks where they could be recognized. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Elias. Uh,
and now we will have the the viewpoint from a health perspective. So please, Kazumbo, it's your floor. Uh, once again, good evening. Uh, from the health point of view, as I do serve in the health committee, uh, our objective is to have quality health for all. So we are looking at the, the, the girl child, we're looking at the, at the boys, even at the elderly. Uh, why is it that the emphasis should be on health? There was a saying, a healthy nation is easy for it to develop. If somebody is sick, he couldn't be, he can't be productive in the society. So we're trying to provide uh, quality healthy services to our society. Uh, normally when we, we meet people, uh, when we get down to the communities, we say, your committee, because we represent them, we want, have, want them to have, to have uh, a saying or a bearing in what we do as members of parliament. One of the components that is in the health sector, I mean in the health committee, is the issue of family planning. Uh, you, you will uh, you may want to know that our population in 1975 uh, was more or less equal to how Norway was then. Then Malawi had uh, uh, five million people and Norway had four million people. Today, Malawi is at 17 million <laughs> and you are still at five million. All right. What has happened uh, uh, down the line, right? These are the issues that the health committee we are trying to, to solve. That's why we work hand in hand with family planning. The, the services that are offered at, at our hospitals on family planning, you see that the, 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 uh, the attention basically has been on, on general health, providing drugs you know, to those that are sick, but not uh, trying to 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 to, to civilize, to empower the women to make those decisions on how many children they should have. So one of the roles that as a committee we, are, we have taken seriously is to be able to tell Malawians the need to have a good number of children whom one could be able to educate and take care of, other than just bearing as if you're going to sell one day having six for children. At the moment, our fertility rate is at 4.6. All right. Now, because of the huge number of, uh, I mean, the, the high population, and uh, this versus the actual people that are productive, uh, you, we have found ourselves in, 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 in a situation where we have few people that are working and are able to support many people. Now, this is not sustainable. Now, what are the consequences? We have ended up having societies with a hospital without an ambulance, all right? A hospital uh, where drugs are not, are not there because of so many people that are, are dependent on a few people, all right? So what government has done together with other doing uh, partners, we've come with what is called the demographic dividend framework. We want to address the issues 
so that one day we should be like Norway with a controlled population. You know, we've brought the leaf from what is called the, 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 the tigers from Thailand, uh, the Asian tigers. There's uh, in China, uh, uh, Japan, where the things seem to be moving on the right direction. So we've looked at issues of education. If we keep girls at a longer period at school, definitely, uh, at the time that she gets married, she'll have few children. But if a girl at the age of 16 gets married, so the, the, the moment she gets there, she'll have more children. So we want to invest more in education so that we should have a longer period for girls to, to be in the system of education. We also want to invest more in the health sector, more special issues of family planning, so that our girls should be able to get contraceptives, all right, which at the moment is not is happening, but at a very small scale. We also want to invest more in the economy. That's why I'm privileged because I'm also in the Committee of Trade. And uh, two weeks ago, the Minister of, of, of Trade launched the, the trade policy, whereby, you know, Malawi is an agribased economy. So we want to move from just producing to industrialization. Well, we should have more companies so after we produced our, our, our crops, we should be able to add value and then export. So in that way, we, we, we create more jobs for our people, for our girls. He said, I go to school and come back without getting employed, so why should I go to school? But from, from ha having attained education, they should be enrolled, they should be uh, embraced into a system whereby they, they, they get employed, they'll be able to, 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 to earn money for, for a living. So the, the demographic dividend framework is encompassing education, health, whereby health, look at family planning, and then the economy. If, if we have a good economy, we recruit our, our youth, we recruit our girls, at least they'll be busy in working other than bearing children. Uh, the health sector, in general, per se, we have issues like whereby we have women walking more than 40 kilometers to access maternal health. As a result, you know, labor just starts anyhow, right? So we've, 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 we've had cases where women deliver sometimes on the way. Sometimes in the course of delivery, because there's, there's no matter system, they die, all right? We've had cases whereby uh, somebody needs cesarean uh, operation, but now in the village where there's no hospital. Uh, you know, those are awkward situations, and as a health committee, as our government, we're trying to address those. And uh, we are grateful to what the Norwegian government is doing, is, is trying to give a support, especially providing fuel for our ambulances. We've, 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 we've made some strides towards the, the infection of uh, HIV-AIDS from the mother to the child. There is a program that Malay government is seriously looked into, and uh, uh, all women that are pregnant are tested of HIV-AIDS. So that at the moment that they, they, are, they are found that they have the virus, medication is given to them so that when a child is born, he or she is born free from the virus. Uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a wind up at the moment, 
uh, I wanted to mention about the issue of fertility. The, the figures are, 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 are being reduced from where we are because of the, the advocacy that family planning and, 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 and other players are doing uh, to advocate on the how many children should one have. But uh, in a nutshell, we have issues in the health sector that needs to be addressed seriously. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I think we've now heard the politicians, so we look forward to hearing uh, if, what, if civil society has some challenges to them <laughs> on their way, or if she's also happy. Please, Tony. Good evening. Uh, as I was introduced, my name is Loni, Loni Nchosana. I uh, work with Family Planning Association of Malawi, and uh, there basically my role is that of director of programs, meaning that I'm responsible for designing uh, uh, programs uh, fit for our, our organization, monitoring their implementation, and of course ensuring that people that were supposed to serve are getting the services that we uh, promised to give. Uh, just a little background um, about my organization. Family Planning Association of Malawi is a sexual reproductive health rights organization, similar to uh, the one that you have here. Uh, we are also an affiliate of International Planned Parenthood Federation, uh, but its uh, coming to being was not always as a, uh, a local NGO. It was at first a parastate of government, so we used to be an arm of government. Um, it was formed in the late 90s, it was around in 1999 when it came to being. And at that time, there were so many uh, health issues that Malawi was going through similar to now, but then a little bit more, because at that time the issue of HIV was so rampant. We had our health facilities full of uh, uh, people who are chronically sick, and we didn't know what it was, and then um, they were just being treated for the signs. But at that time also, uh, it was when we were also intensifying issues of family planning. And then the government noticed that the family planning program that was being implemented in the country was doing very well, but the major target group was for women. And it left out the young people. So then the government decided to say, okay, let's set up a, a separate uh, entity to look at specifically for young people. So Family Planning Welfare Association was born, as it was called then. And the role of that organization is basically to ensure that young people have access to youth-friendly family planning. And uh, over the years, that has been going on until 2004 when we became an affiliate of IPPF. So the mandate of uh, Family Planning Association, as it is now called because of the affiliation to IPPF, um, is to provide uh, comprehensive sexual reproductive health services to young people. So we are actually mandated to, not, to reach not less than 60% of young people in, in, uh, in the areas where we're providing services. So as you can hear, we are a service provision entity, meaning we have clinics. 
Uh, we're currently in 12 districts of Malawi, and um, our goal is to reach the whole country. Our country has 28 districts, so we are in 12 of the 28. And we, it's our target that by the year 2020, we are in the whole of Malawi. So basically, our setup is that wherever we are, we have a clinic uh, that is basically looking at sexual reproductive health rights issues for young people. So where they're providing services, where they're providing information, and also we try to build capacity of the young people themselves to educate each other, but also to make the right uh, sexual reproductive health decisions. So we even have volunteers in the communities where we're working. We have young people as uh, uh, providers of family planning themselves in the communities, but we also have young people that are educators of fellow young people, and we call these peer educators. So looking at the setup of Malawi, it is a very poor country, and um, our clinics most of the time are found at the town centers. But most of the people are in the rural areas. So what we do is to uh, have outreach sessions into the very hard to reach communities. So currently in the 12 districts, we have over 300 outreach uh, stations where we go on regular basis with services. So the young people know on such such a day, Family Planning Association comes to that place and they would come and access the services there. Those that are within town, they come to our clinic. And um, what makes us also very um, youth friendly is that wherever we have our clinic, we have a youth recreation center as well. So the youth would come there, do uh, play games. We have youth that are composing really nice songs. They even have uh, places where they can record their songs. We have computer e education sessions and so many other things to help them, you know, to keep them busy. So as they do that, if anyone among them has uh, an issue, whether they need counseling, whether they need a service, all they have to do is just go around the corner and then they have the service. So uh, that's how we're doing it. But Honorable here mentioned to say that as Family Planning Association, other than providing the services, what we're also doing is um, uh, doing lobby and advocacy. We do lobby and av advocacy for sexual and reproductive health rights uh, for young people, but also for the whole population as a whole. So uh, in recent years, have, we have participated in a number of advocacy-related uh, issues like uh, working with parliamentarians to ensure that as they're making, uh, they are passing their bills, as they are passing the budgets, they should also uh, find a special allocation for family planning. Because previously, family planning was just a service within health. So uh, it was up to uh, the implementers to decide how much goes to family planning. And we saw that not much was going in the end to family planning. They would rather go for HIV or pay more for other health issues other than family planning. So from, I think it is now three years, they start, well, we lobbied that they make a, spe a special allocation for family planning, and that has happened. And over the years, what we're doing is every year we go back and say, can you add a little bit more? Please, can you add a little bit more? And yeah, they've been very good and uh, it's being raised, not much, but steadily up. So I think we can clap for them. Please keep, 
keep raising that, that family planning. And we take this very, very uh, much at heart because looking, he was talking about the demographic dividend. I don't know how many of us understand the demographic dividend. The population pyramid for Malawi is basically a triangle. So as a triangle, we have all these young people down here, but the group that is there supporting them, uh, it's just a handful of people. And therefore, the economy is not able to support. So basically, we're trying to lobby to say, let's do family planning so we reduce this. But also, as the other um, honorable ministers, uh, I mean, MPs have mentioned is uh, we need also to invest in uh, economic empowerment for the young people so that as they grow up, they are able to support um, uh, issues in the country. What we have also lobbied uh, for um, at community level is the issues of ending child marriages. In Malawi, we have a lot of young people that are going into marriages at a very tender age. Uh, somebody as young as 14 would be married. And imagine somebody married at 14. By the time the person reaches 30, then they'll have those eight children. And uh, if you get into marriage, it means then skills-wise, there's nothing much you can do because you haven't had the basic education for you to do something profitable in the future. So we are working with traditional authorities because this is really a cultural thing and the control is really at the bottom more than it is uh, at government level. Right now, our government has passed a law to say you can only be married at 18. But then we have in Malawi what we call even traditional marriages. So people can still be married uh, even before they reach 18 as long as uh, everybody in the family agrees. So we felt of working with the traditional leaders. And in one community, we have a chief who has annulled over um, 300 marriages, has over 800 uh, girls and boys going back to school. So. Yeah. That's uh, something that I think we have also worked on. Currently, with other CSOs, we're also working with the uh, abortion uh, law, trying to sensitize people so that they understand the importance of it and also uh, to see how, as a government, also looking at our culture and tradition, how that can go on. There's so much we're doing, but um, my time is up. <laughs> I think I'll leave it here, but really I'm happy to be here to share our story and to accompany the Honorable MPs here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Loni. I think we have, uh, have gotten a grasp of what Malawi is, one of the poorest countries in in the world, actually, yeah. uh, and some statistics, even the poorest country in the world, uh, with many challenges. At the same time, as we hear that there are a few politicians that are trying to make a difference, uh, I think they've mentioned a lot of issues. Maybe some issues have not been fully mentioned, or maybe you would like to expand on some of them. A lot of them were related around poverty and there are challenges that are around poverty and what that leads to, especially to women. And there were also issues, other issues raised in different fields. So I think it's now up to the audience to maybe dig a bit further into, into some of the issues. Uh, we are halfway in our time approximately, so there's plenty of time for good questions. 
and I heard some of you were saying that yes, it will be interesting to to ask some questions and challenge some of the things. So I don't know who is going to be the brave one to be first. <laughs> oh well, yes. Can you please explain how the abortion laws are in Malawi now for us who don't know? Can I do that briefly? Uh, the, the, the Malawian abortion law is the, the 1861 abortion law of the UK, or it was probably called England at the time. It has not been revised since then, which basically means that abortion is only allowed in cases where, where there is, uh, the, the life of the mother is in danger. So there, there is a... There is a protocol on women's rights uh, adopted by the African Union, which is called the Maputo Protocol, uh, where they are recommending that abortion should be allowed, at least in cases uh, of incest, rape, and uh, and harm, uh, uh, danger of harm to to either mother or child, uh, fetus, um, if the uh, if the uh, uh, pregnancy continues. So it's it's a very limited recommendation, and there is a proposal in the in well, it's not quite in the parliament yet, but in the system that Malawi should change its law to this uh, definition, which is basically you know it's sort of close to what we had in Norway before the current abortion law. So from before seventy five. I did see, still, uh, you can feel free to say your name and organization if you want, yeah. All right. Um, oh, that was a bit close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It was really a, a pleasure and a privilege to, to listen to all of you. Um, my name is Stian. I work for a health foundation, and I'm also a board member of the Norwegian Council for Africa. Um, and I'm also a passionate advocate for um, sexual and reproductive health rights. So I wanted to to sort of know to know a bit more how you think the issues around um, poverty um, and and abortion relates. Um, you 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 said some wonderful things about how it's it's holistic, how girls drop out of school um, when they reach puberty due to lack of infrastructure. Um, but then there's also the problems of girls dropping out of school because they get pregnant. Um, and um, so it would be very interesting to hear from, from maybe all of you um, how you sort of um, see the situation and, and how you would want the abortion laws to be um, in Malawi. I think maybe, now I didn't see any hands, but then I, I did. One, two, three, that's what I wanted. And so maybe we can take two or three questions, which means that they also can think a bit uh, about the answer. First one here, I know that this is Berit, so if you go. Thank you, I also would like to thank you for coming all this way and telling us your stories. My name is Berit Ostweg, I'm physician by, by profession, and I've been dealing with global health issues in the sexual and reproductive area for the last decades. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, we heard about the clinics that the Family Planning Association of, of Malawi is running, uh, but there are also clinics run by the government. And I was wondering, how do you cooperate? And specifically because you have the CHAM, you have the Christian um, uh, organizations running many of your health, um, health institutions. And I was wondering how you work 
with those uh, Christian organizations in promoting sexual reproductive health. We often see Christian organizations as hampering um, progress in the area of sexual reproductive health, but there are also big prospects for, for promoting sexual reproductive health. I was wondering if you could comment on that since uh, such a great proportion, I think it's about approximately half of the half the institutions that are run by the Christian organization. Thank you. Thank you. I saw two hands at the back, so maybe if the two of you come to the front and then you can pass, ask your questions and then we can get the answers once you're done. Uh, hi, I'm Tuli and I'm from South Africa and um, I have a lot of questions actually, but uh, I'll just... <laughs> ask a few of them. Uh, you spoke about uh, poverty being one of the problems why girls drop out of school or they don't come to school and you talked about providing feeding schemes to girls that uh, come to school. Uh, how about those girls that don't come to school and how do you sustain that? Because I believe it should be a sustainable thing that goes on beyond schools. So do you guys have a a sustainable plan in eradicating poverty at all amongst the whole population outside the girls. And uh, you spoke about girls dropping out of school because of teenage pregnancy and them having problems and coming back to school. And my question is, uh, do you guys know the problem of why do girls get pregnant? Do you guys address the problems of why do young girls get pregnant in the first place? And uh, what happens to girls when they get pregnant? Are they kicked out of school? And then now they have problems of going back to school. Because uh, I believe that the problem is why do girls get pregnant in the first place, not that they get pregnant. And uh, on the issues of, uh, of uh, girls dropping out because of, of puberty, you spoke mostly about infrastructure in terms of them sitting down and all of that. Is that the only problem that girls drop out of school for because of the infrastructure that's there for, for, for girls in schools. Do you guys provide things such as sanitary towels for girls that can't afford them since Malawi is a poor country, so I'm pretty sure most women don't afford those. Do you guys provide them? So, yeah. Okay, I'll just ask just those questions only. Yeah, well, because <laughs> oh, I have, have a lot of no. them. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you very much. We may, might have a, another round afterwards. Yes, please. Um, hi, I'm, Mili I'm Millicent from Katsu Sisterhood in Zimbabwe. Okay. I have two questions actually uh, for you. Um, the first question is on youth and abortion. What is the position of, because since you said you work with the youth, what's the position of the youth on the issue of abortion and are they pro-abortion and or are they uh, not for abortion? And if so, on the issue of abortion, um, the, the policy that uh, that has, uh, and it's not exactly a policy, you said it's it's in the works kind of. Mm. On the issue of abortion, my one of my other questions is, is uh, since there's a high, what, what's that thing called? Um, uh, but yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> since there's a high fertility rate, uh, what would what would be the effect on the woman's ability to work and and every, and has that been addressed in the but in the bill as a consideration as to why such a thing should be considered? Because the reasons for abortion, I've been reading up a little bit on it. The reasons that have been put, the ones that you mentioned on the Maputo protocol, they are very. Uh, kind of basic reasons that are being, and they're not usually the the reasons why people opt for abortion. And uh, the other question is, yes, um, access to family planning and or for the youth. What which age 
are like is let's say a young woman at which age can a young woman access family planning because for example in my uh, I'm from in my country a young girl let's say at 16 it's not necessarily that it's against the law for you to access it but then how does your society perceive you to be like what kind of backlash do you get from your society mm -hmm. so such things how are you addressing them if there is no age limit thank you Thank you very much. Okay, I think you have a few things to answer now. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we go in the same order as last time? Yeah. 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 Okay, Naomi. Okay, thank you. I'll just uh, start with uh, poverty being in connection with uh, in uh, poverty being in connection with dropout of school and for um, for the girl child. Yeah, of course. Uh, in Malawi, as a elaborated that uh, women are very many, are many than men. So children as well, I mean, girl, ch girl children are many than men, uh, than boys. So we have no more schools nearby the community, whereby a girl child is forced to travel long distances to access education. So in this in the way, uh, most of the girls, they don't have transportation so that they can use uh, when going to school. I just want to say, uh, to talk on this poverty side. So we end up, they end up leaving out, leaving, dropping out schools because of the distance, considering the distance. I prefer uh, if we could have uh, schools nearby the community and uh, even uh, girls' hostels to accommodate girls. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Uh, Elias, you want to go next? I'm, I'm not sure whether um, we shall be able to... Uh, get everything responded to, but uh, poverty. Malawi is a poor country, and uh, we have been talking about what is it that can be done to the girl child to improve those levels. Seriously speaking, if I have to speak as uh, an educationist. The real challenge that we have is that we have not invested more in education. So if we have to address the root cause of this, is that we have to uplift the knowledge level, the education of our people, so that it is the people who are educated that make informed decisions. Our girl child is subjected to two kinds of life. There is the so-called improved education, educated life, and the cultural background in which they are operating. So, some cultures at puberty, the girl is grown up enough to be able to take up responsibilities of a woman. And that means there are cultures that have been promoting the girl to get married as soon as possible. Women, girls sometimes are told in their cultures, 
if you stay too long, you're going to lose the children every month. And therefore, you will not have children at the very end of your life. And because a child is the one thing that every woman would like to have in that kind of society, sometimes we have lost them uh, from education side into the poverty. So what we're saying here is that at puberty, the girls have got that conflicting kind of uh, life. Some people are get the peer pressure in the village is that you're old enough, you must get married. The, the other life is saying, can you stay in school so that you can have a better life? So those are the things that we're uh, dealing with. What will abortion laws do? It should, it, it should maybe address the cause of uh, the dropout. But the question that one of the um, members here asked is, why should they get pregnant in the first place? They, should, they get pregnant because they have sex. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They have sex, and that's why they get pregnant. What we need to do is to address the issue that if you have sex, you can still have sex without becoming pregnant. And that's the reason why we uh, have these interventions like what uh, the family planning is doing. As long as we have not reached every girl to have that information and make informed decisions, we shall still have pregnancies. And because they have, made, they have become pregnant, the moment they give birth, we want to persuade them to go back to school. We realize something was wrong, but it cannot be wrong forever. There must be opportunities to correct. So while we are addressing the reason as to why they should get pregnant, we should also address the issue of bringing those who have been pregnant back to school. So the, the poverty levels are the determining factor, but also the education levels are a, a question that we should deal with. The question of why not improve the facility, why talk about the facilities? We know very well that a woman's life also needs support at the time that support is needed. A school environment that is not supportive to the woman cannot retain a woman, cannot retain a girl. So that's why we have been talking about improving the school facilities, even the facilities which they use day in and day out, like the toilets and uh, all others. Malai as a government cannot support the girl child by giving them what they need every time, because that entails a cost. And a poor country cannot always have those sustainable. So that is the challenge that we have. The school feeding program that I was talking about, our proposal is that if we have the school feeding program sustained, we need to transfer the responsibility for giving the meal, for finding a meal to the communities. The communities can cultivate, can grow crops, can have food made for the schools to be sustained. However, our communities, if you have to organize them, you also need to organize them with some seed uh, um, uh, contribution, like they need the seed, they need the fertilizer, and uh, then you need to have a sustainable program 
where they are able to produce food every year in order to support the schools. So, giving them food is not enough, but giving them skills to sustain the program is an, an important way to go. So those are things that I think I wanted to talk about. Um, I think my colleagues will be able to handle the other questions. Thank you. Now, now uh, we, have, uh, uh, we are finished with the two first MPs. Our experience from the introduction was that the two next speakers were tended to be a bit lengthy. So they will be, they will be encouraged to be less lengthy in this round. <laughs> We're, so, paid, we're paid for talking. We're so. <laughs> 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 Go ahead. You know, to be a politician, the first prerequisite is to have a voice. <laughs> so maybe that's why my colleagues did talk for some time. Um, you know, it's a shame to be, to be called a poor man. And uh, we haven't come here to, to advertise our poverty, all right? Uh, he's a doctor by profession. Uh, I'm an accountant by profession, worked with the Deloitte. Uh, previously, I think the tradition was those that have retired are the ones that join politics. We, we've turned around the tables because we're saying, if somebody is retired, it means the brain also is what? Retired. Now, how can a retired brain deliver? So you realize that that's why she's, uh, she's what? Uh, the youngest, eight, she was born at four. Uh, we have a, a parliament with youthful members of parliament with the sole reason that we should turn around our poverty. One of the key factors that has brought the poverty is greed and corruption in Africa. And this general consensus across Africa. You realize that there's more aid that do come to Africa, but it's abused, all right? So it's, it's a shame that uh, Malawi still remains at the bottom uh, when it comes to the economic index globally. Uh, we are hoping that in the next 10, 20 years, maybe things wanna improve. Now, that's why our key focus is on education. Because if we train, if we educate our girls, one, they will make informed decisions on how many children they should have. So we, are, we move from the, the, the demographic pyramid that we have at the moment to be like how other countries are. Now, from, from South Africa, she did ask about, what about those girls that don't go to school? All right, those that, uh, though there's the feeding program, but some don't go to school. So she says, she did ask, what are you doing? Uh, thanks to the World Bank, we have what is called the, the, the cash transfer, All right? Where communities are able to work, for example, fix their roads, uh, fix their bridges, uh, uh, construct dams at a fee which they get at the end of the day so that they could have food at home. More or less to empower them economically. But as, as a government, uh, what the minister has done is to introduce the agriculture policy, the irrigation policy, 
this has come with the effect of climate change. You agree with me, South Africa, I mean, the, the southern part of Africa, Zimbabwe inclusive, there's been drought for the past two years. Now, in Malawi, we are saying we have this beautiful lake. We have these waters that are just lost. We don't make use of them. So how, why can't we come up with, with a policy to make use of the water? So we have embarked on a serious irrigation campaign so that we should make use of the water. We shouldn't only be dependent on the, on the rains. Because once the rains are not there, then the poverty will escalate. Now, the other thing that I should take note is we have come from the tobacco uh, background whereby we relied most on tobacco. Now, with the, the anti-smoking campaign, we've been hugely affected. Previously, our economy was doing fine because our tobacco was the best. I mean, if, if I our barley was the best, all right? Now, all this all of a sudden, right? you know, and we don't have minerals in Malawi. We don't have oil in Malawi. It's unlike nowhere we have oil. You know, you know all, all of a sudden in Malawi, with the, with the shortage in rains, our power sector has been affected. We have a power for two hours. No. So with that power, you cannot deliver. You cannot, uh, can, companies can perform. So this is the reason why we're saying, we're saying, okay, farming has failed. Why has farming failed? The rains are poor. Why can't we irrigation? All right? Why, 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 why can't we, we mechanize our farming? Now, why can't we add value to our products? Rather than exporting in raw form, let's add value to those. Right. Uh, finally, <laughs> what's, the, what's the perception of abortion to our girls? I think that one, this one will handle. Uh, perception of the society, I think that one handle. You ask about sanitary services, do you provide towels? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, 17 million, 60% of the youth, the answer is no. But we were saying, if you can empower their mothers, if you can empower their parents, <laughs> at least the girls now will be able to have the basic necessities. So now, as a government, the government is trying to empower the people, then the children will be able to go to school. Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, I think that we will just have another round as long as, uh, as uh, you, are, you keep it short. Yes, correct. <laughs> so if you have questions, just prepare yourself and then we'll take a short last round. Before. Uh, thank you very much. I'm trying to keep it short, but I'm an advocate, so we'll see. Yes, um, the first question that I want to look at is uh, the one about how are we as a civil society providing health services cooperating with the government and uh, Christian Health Association and how we're working with Christian Health Association that is basically uh, most, time, most of the time they hamper provision of uh, services. So basically uh, how we work as family planning association is that when we go into a district we are not going as the sole providers of services. We're going to complement what is already there. So basically, we, we are assigned areas where uh, services are, are not reaching. So that's where we go. So we work under the wing of the Ministry of Health with the district health uh, offices. As for the Christian facilities, um, the CHAM, uh, it's basically the Roman Catholic Church that uh, does not 
go for family planning, uh, our conventional modern family planning, but they do uh, provide the information. Currently in Malawi, you go to a Catholic church, they will provide you the information, but they won't give you the service. So what we do then, they refer to people, uh, organization like ours, to provide the service or government or others. And uh, we even have projects that we're working together for family planning for youth. They're doing more of uh, awareness raising and uh, sensitizing so that we provide the services. And that's what we do there. The, the second one was about uh, are the youth pro-abortion or against? Uh, when you talk with the young people, they'll say, give us the choice, we'll make the choice ourselves. So uh, it's up to us, don't make a decision for us. And most of them will say, uh, it's up to me, uh, it's my life, so I'm old enough to make a decision, then it's, I should be also old enough to decide whether I want to keep it or not. But as the, it was mentioned already, in Malawi, abortion is illegal. So there are only specific life-threatening um, events that this can happen. But if they would have a choice, they would say we would want to be given a choice. And of course, don't forget, we are, uh, over 80% of Malawians are Christians. That's why this is a big problem. Because for us to change the Christian mindset and say, look, look at... Uh, Thou shall not kill. Yes. So basically... <laughs> Um, you'll find the youth also divided similarly. There are others that are pro and there are others that are against. The last one was uh, uh, when the age for providing family planning services. From what age do we give? Uh, by law, we're supposed to provide the services from the age of 15. And uh, so we provide services to those that are 15 and above. If we're, uh, if anybody below 15 comes and uh, is requiring a family planning method, then they need to have parental consent. So that's what we do, uh, because that's also a law. And the community backlash, uh, we usually don't have it, because wherever Family Planning Association of Malawi goes with service, it goes with intensive community mobilization and sensitization, so that the community understand why we provide the services that we provide. Thank you. Oh yeah, and one place that we cannot go with services are the schools. Currently in the laws of uh, Malawi, to provide services uh, comprehensive sexuality services, we cannot take them to the school, but we can be 100 meters away from the school. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on that. Thank you, Lonnie. I hope the politicians had that uh, as a challenge to bring home. Uh, <laughs> We, we provide uh, sexuality education materials to all schools, actually down to grade one in Norway. So, uh, and our organization is the biggest provider uh, in Norwegian schools. Um, so it's possible. Okay, who do I see for questions in a second round? One, two, yes, let's start with you two. I think we have repeat offenders from the back. <laughs> <laughs> We are also welcoming new offenders. <laughs> but I think before, before they ask, uh, there was one question. She asked that, are those that are pregnant, are they kicked out? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. They are allowed once they deliver. We have a bug to 
they are allowed to go back to school so back to school I, I think there was an uh, one of you alluded to that one of the programs yes. from the Norwegians is actually supporting yeah. back yeah, to school yeah. programs yeah. For so girls. if they deliver they so, able to go back to school so the challenge is more that why should you go back to school if it means you lose your husband in the pro- process and that you then and then when you finish school if you don't have a job then the, what is the added value of going back and the government has uh, also introduced the skills training program mm-hmm. uh, they are opening up a few uh, mm-hmm. community colleges whereby they could go and learn for six months and you know do something it's, it's, it's being supported by the Chinese but don't to, to scale this up to all the districts mm. yeah thank you and of course if anybody wants to repeat that question because it has been uh, forgotten or yes. avoided yeah. then you are thank also you. welcome I don't know who is winning the neighboring competition in the south. Is it South Africa who is winning over Zimbabwe? <laughs> Go ahead. Before I, I ask, hello, my name is Elizabeth. I'm from South Africa. Before I ask... Are you Elizabeth Zuma? Zuma. Yeah? No, definitely not Zuma. Malemia? No. <laughs> okay. Um, before I ask my question, I want to quickly ask this question. So you're saying that um, girls are being chased out when they are pregnant? No, no, no. Once a girl is pregnant... Yeah, they stay in school. They are able... They, they, previously, they were chased out from school. Out of school, yeah. At the moment, mm. when the time is ripe, mm. they go, mm. deliver, and then be allowed to come back. Back to school, okay. School. All right. Okay, fine. Um, okay, my question might sound very... <laughs> I don't know. But then my question is, um, I heard you, I don't know which one, uh, speaking about um, there's no transport for girls to go to school. Uh, but then, <laughs> well, I think girls can walk to school. But then I want to understand why... Is it important for girls to have transport to school? What is happening and that you, you as a country or community are not dealing with that cause you to say that we need to provide transport for girls? Why can't girls walk to school? Because I feel like um, listening to you guys, I, I feel like there are other things that are being said like... Um, uh, the school needs to be fixed. Uh, the the need to be f- uh, the toilet needs to be fixed uh, for the girl to be there. Uh, no, for me, I want to know why. Why can't the girl go to school? Like, what is what is it? Because the reasons that you you told us, I don't think I would stay home and not go to school for such reasons that there's no toilet. People were peeing in the grass somewhere. But then, yeah, you understand what I'm trying to say? I think we understand what you're trying to say. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, so your neighbor is coming. (laughs) Um, This is, I was listening today to a a 
podcast about uh, it was president former president banda she was joyce banda she was talking about her the harmful cultural practices in relation to traditional leaders and their position in the communities how they are key posi- they are they are positioned in a key way to try to address such issues because you talked about young girls at, at as as young as 14 being married uh, being married off by their families what then is the government trying to do to try to um mobilize and say and let's say educate the traditional leaders to try to put them in position in a position to support the education of children of young girls because then if you if the traditional leaders are able are able to influence the people in their area i think maybe the issue of uh, girls going back to school would be addressed and them being married off would be addressed thank you thank you, thank you i think much. we take one more repeat offender and then <laughs> I don't have a book this time. Uh, my first question is that it's what Liz was actually asking, because I feel like there's a problem that is not being resolved. Because if I live in a community where I had to walk to school and I could walk to school, so now the problem is why can't they do it? What is the problem? Is it crime? Is it boys? Is it rape? You know, those kind of problems. What is happening to girls when they walk to school? And Yes, I yeah. think that question is similar to yeah. the previous one. Yeah, and then... Uh, do you have... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was just putting clarity <laughs> on the question, what is the problem? And with the issue of when I asked why do girls get pregnant in the same place, I feel like you answered me like a politician that you are. And my question is, obviously girls have sex, but that's not the problem. I do The problem with girls a lot of times having sex is having sex with older men. Why do they do it? What are you doing with these men that are having sex with younger girls at schools? My, my question is that, what, do girls have sex with boys their age? What happens to boys when, when these girls what education is there to, to teach them not to have sex at that age or to, to provide them with condoms and all of that at that age. Because with the issue of uh, child marriage and child bride, these young girls have sex with men that are way older than them and they pursue them, they manipulate them because of poverty and the situations they find themselves in. So the, the issue the, is not girls have sex because they get pregnant because they have sex. There's a bigger issue to, to what's the fact that they have sex. Because in a lot of things that I've read, girls don't have sex with boys their age. And then we need to ask the question, why older men feel they need to have sex with girls? How is it that they have accessibility to have sex with these young girls? And then in the end, they're, they're not able to go to school and all of that. So I don't think it's just as easy as saying girls get pregnant because they have sex. Uh, let me start with. Um, I, I want to. I want to. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll give you an example of my, the constituency I'm representing. Uh, I have a very big constituency in Molanje District. In Molanje District, we have nine constituencies, but amongst those constituencies, mine is the biggest. But it happens that I have only three community day secondary schools, whereby students have to travel three and a half hours to get the, the school. Whenever they are going there and to get that education, she is already tired. So she 
she get disappointed. Long last, she decided to get married because of the, if she can think about the distance itself, sometimes it rains, sometimes uh, too much hot, and one cannot travel footing. It needs them to have bicycles. So for the parents to support their children to buy bicycles, they are very expensive in Malawi. Whereby most of them cannot manage to buy bicycles. That's the main challenge I can raise. Thank you. You just um, continue. One of the yeah. one of the biggest challenges in uh, presentations of this nature is that uh, you you don't normally talk about specific cases. You talk in terms of general terms. Mm. If we have given impression that people don't walk to school, then that's a wrong impression. Yeah, yeah. I would like to correct that in the first Definitely. place because that is not correct. And I think uh, what my colleague had talked about is that we should acknowledge here that they are also very difficult to manage distances between the home of a child and the school. And that is not everywhere, but in some cases. For that reason, that's why I think the talk was, we may need to have an improved um, transportation system. However, one of the things which is also determining the policy of girls' hostels as being advocated and supported by Malawi government currently is because we would like to address the distance problem so that the first focus is on the girl. The girl must stay in the school, especially at secondary school level, and therefore we are addressing the problem of distance by giving them hostels. So that's what I wanted to address first. Then secondly, I think uh, there was an issue of um, why do girls have sex? Uh, or why do they become pregnant? The reason why I answered the question why they become pregnant is that um, we would like to acknowledge the fact that it does not matter who has made them pregnant. But I think you had a preconceived idea that the girls are you often made pregnant by men. And that is why you feel your, answer, your question was not answered. The truth of the matter is that a boy can make a girl pregnant and a man can make a girl, a, a girl pregnant. The question is whether there are cases where men have made girls pregnant. Yes, that has happened in Malawi, just like fellow young people have made them pregnant. Currently, girls who have been made pregnant could stay in the school up to the point when they cannot sustain themselves in the school anymore. So they leave for home. After delivering, previously, girls who have been made pregnant will not be allowed to come back to school. So the advocacy for back to school policy has come in to say that we want to emphasize that opportunities are never lost just because you have become pregnant. After you have delivered a child, you leave the child with your parents or whoever is willing to keep them and then come back to school. And that is the policy which is currently working. And it has been working well 
so that um, when you talk about what is the role of traditional leaders, I think my colleague over there, the, 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 the representative of family planning, has also said it has been very, working very well, and some chiefs right now have been directly working with uh, these organizations to bring back the children to school or to terminate early pregnancies, to reduce early pregnancies, to not to allow girls to marry very early. These efforts are being done. So what Joyce Banda was talking about uh, when she was president about the, the role of traditional leaders is in fact happening now. Yeah. That the, law, the traditional leaders are very supportive of this. Yeah. And traditional leaders have been sensitized on our marriage bill and marriage law so that they can work in support of the girl child to remain in school. <laughs> Efforts are being done so that girls, women, can be promoted uh, in, uh, in, in getting the education they want. But also we have laws of gender equality promotion so that whatever we are doing, where a girl, a woman, and a man is involved, we must make sure that women are treated as equal partners in the development of our country and uh, equal partners in terms of benefits that go to everyone in Malawi. Um, I'm not sure whether we, we would definitely uh, satisfy specific interests because I know when we have issues like this, we have specific interests. But what we are talking about is the general approach to the problem and what we have been doing and that what we're going to do. The goodwill is there that uh, the woman must have the same opportunities as men. And for us to do that, we must give them opportunities for education because it is education that equalizes opportunities. Less of education will always make them behind. Uh, just a quick, then you went up. Uh, why do girls get pregnant? I think you should almost understand that uh, HIV AIDS has played uh, pivotal role with so many orphans in Malawi. So is the case with, you, with other countries in the southern region. Uh, so we have those families that are being led by kids themselves supporting their siblings. So one see no, no reason to go to school when you have no father, you have no mother, and you, have, you are, uh, you are the, the main breadwinner. And you're not educated, so you can't get employed. So what's, what's the, 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 the alternative? No, you, 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 you get yourself involved in, in sex. And, you, and now sex, not, now not, not with a fellow boy, because a fellow boy is nothing. They eventually end up having sex with men. That's why you see many girls uh, being involved in, in polygamy structures, okay, being a third wife fourth wife. Not that they want to, but they have no choice. Right? That's, that's another situation. So, uh, again, the issue of uh, teacher-pupil ratio. You see a girl, you write exams, she fails. You write again, you fail. And you, don't see, you don't see the point of continuous education. So it's a question of us now, politicians, us in leadership positions, to provide adequate resources to train more more, more teachers 
so that we should reduce this ratio to provide more resources in terms of infrastructure. She mentioned about the issue of hostel. In my constituency, uh, there have been eight MPs before, but there was no hostel. I mentioned the issue of corruption. Not that resources were not there, but how to make use of resources, to, to put resources into good use. That's another challenge. I come in, I've built a hostel. I'm proud of this, and it's a hundred bed capacity hostel. I thought you would clap hands, you're just looking at me. <laughs> 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 I'm just joking. But what I'm saying is, besides these other challenges, we also leaders in Africa, I think we need to change how we make use of resources. If Africa could have corrupt free leaders, Africa would develop. That's, that's the, how I look at it. And we need God-fearing leaders. Thank you. Okay, I think it's all been said. Um, I just want to mention to say that uh, uh, in Malawi now, what is happening if a boy makes a girl pregnant, even the boy goes off and then they join to come back again uh, when the girl comes back to school because it's not a one-man thing. Um, about the harmful cultural practices, I mentioned that we have a lot of harmful cultural practices. One of them was getting girls married early. Um, currently, uh, we have a gender equality uh, uh, law that was passed, and it's, uh, it's a policy. A policy has been developed, and now our Ministry of Gender is um, working with our traditional leaders to uplift the status of girls and women in their communities. And within that, they cut, uh, also tackling the issue of uh, cultural practices. And currently, uh, only two weeks ago, I was at another meeting where, you know, even in African Union, there is a campaign against child marriages. So uh, as Malawi, we are part of that, and there is a, na uh, a national campaign that has been launched to end child marriages. And uh, this is really monitored at, at African Union level. So uh, our action plan for the country is being followed. And within that, the, the Minister of Gender is helping the chiefs to come up with bylaws. Bylaws where even if uh, within a community a chief allows any of his people to get married at a young age, that chief is even dethroned. We've had chiefs dethroned because they've allowed these marriages to take place. So there is something happening. We want to have it happen, you know, across the country, not just in pockets, so that at least it has that effect. Thank you. I'll thank all of you, um, including particularly the panel. Uh, I think we've had an entertaining discussion. I think it was a wonderful evening. And also thank the, the guests who have traveled very far. For those of you who have flown to Malawi, you know that it's not possible to do with, uh, with less than two stops and less than 20 hours flights. So I'm uh, very grateful for your participation and for your coming here. So and wish you good luck with the rest of the visit and with all your uh, challenges back home and we look forward to seeing a situation where Malawi no longer is at the bottom. Mm. Good luck. Okay. <laughs>